Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another therapeutic session with the London is Blue podcast. Your friends that... uh, we're not going to let you down. We're going to stay here. I know that while I do not have a candle like I did last time after that match, I, I do have a beer, a nice winter stout, Nick. It's, um, it, it's, it's what I'm going to use to get through this. I know that our mutual friend Chad Harris on Twitter uh, was a little presumptuous earlier saying that you would be soaking in whiskey to have to talk about our performance for an hour. So is this a bathtub soak or how are you taking this in? First of all, I would never waste good bourbon uh, on any sort of soaking situation, but I'm sure it's great for your pores. Um, and that's and that's really where we're at. I mean, I, uh, I drank enough uh, last night to uh, to be good for today. Uh, so, uh, so thank you, Chad. And... Uh, yeah, let's let's get this over with. It's it's uh, gonna be special. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Dan ran away. He literally flew to New York City, uh, hung out with Janique and um, Shane and the rest of the Chelsea fans at Football Factory. Sorry about that result. Uh, You know, you can't escape it all, Dan. I apologize. So instead, uh, big time upgrade. We've got Amity from the Carefree Blues Pod already back on with us uh, this time. Thankfully, I'm here so I can, you know, kind of partake in the chat and and go from there. So, Amity, welcome back, man. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate the offer to get get back on here. And um, wish it was under better circumstances, but always a pleasure to be back. Of course, we absolutely appreciate it. And as I said, kind of before the pod, Kyle, if you're listening, I, I apologize. We will get you on as well. Um, little little oversight on my part. But to be fair to our iTunes reviewers, I'm sure you guys delivered because you always do. But Dan gets the email. I literally have no idea who you are, so we'll catch up next week. Nick, we had three people after our drought on Patreon jumping on the bandwagon, getting it while it's hot. I mean, this run of ours isn't going to last forever, clearly. Yes, that is true. Um, Nick L., Jonathan Salazar, and TK uh look we we are indebted to you guys like it's amazing that uh we have we have people who want to invest in our show and and help us cover some of the expenses that we incur on a monthly basis to help all this content uh happen and uh you know we 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 deeply appreciate it thank you so much and uh and Brandon what would someone have to do if they would like to uh join this movement that these three folks have uh, have joined Super easy search. Just go to the patreon.com website, search London is Blue podcast. We're right there. Uh, choose your option. Obviously, our premium option is you get a question, but most importantly, you get a handwritten thank you on a postcard with our logo on it, and you get to pick the host. I mean, it's, uh, it's a pretty cool little thing. You can judge us based on our handwriting of what kind of people we are. <laughs> so I'm not a good person. That's not what you're saying. <laughs> I'll let the uh, I'll let the Patreon people uh, make their decisions. But uh, Amity, let's go ahead and get this real deep before we uh, do our World Soccer Shop shout out. Uh, Andy Beerbauer on on Twitter saying he barely recognizes Chelsea anymore. Is that where we're at right now? Um, I, I I hate to agree, but I, honestly, I do. I I had we had the. Pleasure of having uh, Joe Tweeds on not long ago on the Carefree Blue Spot, and, and he said something that stuck with me, and it's actually every single match since I've thought about this, and it's the fact that we lack an identity. And I, I at the time, I rebelled against the thought when he first said it, but thinking about our performances and, and how certain players are, are, we've always said, or not we've, but a lot of people have said we've lacked players in certain positions, and for the departures of key players, especially those who've won a lot, but also were what you would call the spine of the club and, and having not really replaced them properly. I, I kind of agree with Andy here. I, I, I don't really recognize my Chelsea anymore. The Chelsea that I, I speak of when I say my Chelsea or when Andy, I believe, says his Chelsea is that, you know, a, a hard, resilient side, one who you know what you can expect and that they're going to be a, a, a side, a cast of characters, really, one who you can depend on and I don't necessarily feel we have that right now Tweeds has been beating the identity and spine drum um, in from last season actually credit to him on that Nick you know to me I I would say that we've replaced check very well Um, as much as Eden Hazard you know can be a bit of a spine player he's not up through the middle like we had Conte 
kind of, he's not the vocal, but I think that too many of our influential or most experienced players aren't really in those core critical positions like we like we had, like these guys are talking about. Yeah, I, I think I think Joe's right, you know, and, and Joe's Joe's right about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, he's he's a frequent guest on our show and 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 someone that I really respect. I, I think what this team has are a bunch of passive personalities. You know, even Cesar Spilicueta is, you know, I think if he if he didn't have to be yelling at someone, he obviously wouldn't be. You know, uh, Murata's a passive personality. Uh, Hazard's a passive personality. Uh, and Golo Conte is is a leader by example, but he's not one that's going to get in someone's face. Um, you know, I, I, I think Cahill is a passive personality. I think I don't. I don't know if he if he's in the molds of John Terry, um, and, and the and the way of being like a vocal leader. You know, it is it's very apparent to me that um, the the leadership style has changed, and either we have to go recruit new players in the summer who are going to kind of fill the void of you know the passion and the fire that we can see on the field yelling screaming getting into diego costa style fights or we have to accept that the club is moving in a different leadership direction and and try and figure out what that's going to eventually be um i don't know it's going to be a big challenge but something that we'll tackle in this pod all right well let's go ahead and do our shout out to world soccer shop our amazing presenting sponsors uh they do such a good job of just really i mean helping us out nick giving us a lot of insight and ideas uh of things to work with them um so in return we want to promote uh some new jacket that they have out on their site right right exactly so if you have seen all the uh, all the cool gear that chelsea players are wearing in training or in uh pre and post match interviews this is the uh the largely black jacket with the blue v on it, it's. I think it's just the, the maybe the most beautiful piece that they've put out this year. I think it's wonderful. That's on World Soccer Shop right now. Go to WorldSoccerShop.com, uh, click on Chelsea, click on Chelsea New. You'll see it right there. Use our code London Pod for ten percent off. That's all one word, London Pod, and uh, and max out your savings there. Uh, yeah, it's great. Awesome. All right. Well, here we go, guys, ladies, gentlemen. Manchester City was the match. Premier League match. I mean, we should just call it, you know, it's Man City's won it, obviously. Uh, did I see today that potentially they could, like, clinch it at Old Trafford towards the end of the season? Yeah, depending if uh, United loses to Liverpool. Lose. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine the scenes there? I mean, it, the inevitable, the sense yeah. of inevitability, like, I don't know. It, it would be a bummer, but not, you know, I don't know how mad you could be. It's not like it's... Uh, you know the the twenty uh, twenty twelve thing. You know where United won the league for like three minutes and then they didn't. Um, but yeah, City's really good. This just in. Yeah, March fourth, mark it down. City have crossed the threshold. I think we did it. I think we finally figured out the City team is quality. All right. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, go ahead, Amadi. Was it? That's the thing. I mean. It, Everybody know has known rather that City's been a, a top top team. I mean, people are speaking about them as being the best team in Europe, and I think that there's a sense that going into the match, people had already written it off, which is, I guess, depressing. But I guess they're pragmatists, and people have to understand that 
at this point, going up against a team like City, you don't expect to at least boss the game, even if you don't expect to lose. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's one of those, you go into it thinking, oh, well, we can hope, but you're not confident. And that's something that, you know, as we were saying about the identity thing, you know, this previous Chelsea teams, even in these hard matches, sometimes I felt, you know, we'll, we'll pull something out of this. But didn't have that feeling before this match. Yeah, I think we'll talk a lot about the the um, the, uh, the the tactics and everything. Like I said, I mean, we, we can only speculate what's going on in Conte's head. Um, I was literally just talking to Caleb <laughs> about this. Uh, it's it's sometimes hard for us to sit here and watch some of these matches and and, and know what Conte's thinking or what he's seeing. Um, but I know that that is where a lot of all of your questions are coming from. So re- real quick, I'll go ahead and play Dan for a little bit with the lineup. Courtois in goal. Rudiger, uh, Christensen, Azpilicueta with the three-back set. Alonzo, Moses, our trusted wingbacks. And in the middle, kind of interesting. Unfortunately, Conte coming down with a sickness, an illness right before this match saying that, you know, he's actually was just on the bus sleeping. He just, it was, he was not up to it at all. So we had drink water and Fabregas in the middle. Um, a bit of an unlikely duo, especially going against City. Uh, then Pedro William Hazard up top in a front three. Uh, pretty much Hazard was the lone striker. Um, William and Pedro tracked back most of the game, which left uh, Eden Hazard against at least two of their center backs, which were uh, Laporte and Otamendi. Didn't, didn't have a lot of luck with that. And then our subs bench was Caballero, uh, Trevor Shalaba making the bench. Davide Zapacosta, Cahill, Emerson, Marata, and Giroud. Uh, the latter three all making very, very late game appearances uh, Amity anything that kind of stuck out to you about the lineup obviously the Conte switch was forced otherwise normally he would be in there um, but I guess a little bit surprised with the 4-3-3 or the 3-4-3 formation I apologize Freudian um, slip a maybe bit. a little bit honestly yeah. I was after watching us against uh, Barcelona and having seen us revert to this previously in the year I thought maybe that we were going to go with this tactic with the false nine, but I was surprised about Conte, and it did shape my pre-match uh, feelings about the you know about the game and about our, our possible uh, scenarios in midfield. As you know, Fabregas Drinkwater isn't necessarily mine, or I don't think very many people's choice pairing against a team like City, or probably a lot of teams in general. Nick, no, they're, yeah, they're too they're they're too slow. They're not dynamic enough. Um, I was worried about us getting. Pe- pass through like that first pass through the midfield and then and then running backwards towards our defenders yeah. just uh yep it, yeah it just it did not lend itself to success obviously and and that's where we're at i would uh i'm not even gonna get into that i already had one twitter fight today i'm not gonna do it again on the podcast about stats so <laughs> brandon's feisty today baby come on i know Seriously. we finally drew him out of his shell it's gonna be it's a good thing we didn't record it after the match i <laughs> Anyways, guys, let's let me let me stay on track. All right, so goals. Obviously, uh, there was only one. It's forty-six minute Bernardo Silva. Yada yada. We will talk more about that in a second. Um, but the first question was is about Conte's tactics. Were they right from the start? Were they off from the start? Did he completely miss the boat, or was he set up to give us a chance? So Eric uh, via text was saying. Did the false nine ever have a chance to challenge City, and why did Conte want to get a second striker if he isn't going to use either of them? 
Uh, that second point is also echoed by Ugo on Facebook, again, saying we spent all that time and effort and money trying to find strikers and we don't even play them. Um, but the last one I want to throw out there is from at Hamid Bangura one saying the team had lack of ambition and a poor game plan subs too late. So, Nick, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, from a from a tactic standpoint, the way the team was set up, I know you were really unhappy with just how far back we were playing. I believe it was it was a I think it was a poor game plan. Uh, I know I know why, and, and I think we'll disagree on this, and that's okay. Like uh, I, I know why he went to the not yeah. I don't think it was a false nine uh, because we didn't we didn't really attack anything today. So that's <laughs> it, was, it was more of a false eleven. Um, oh. that, that were on the field, um, but, but I, th- I think the game plan showed them too much respect, uh, especially for a game that was very much something that we had to win uh, or at least compete well in. You know, I, I think the loss to United last week was massive for confidence' sake. Uh, you know, the team shut off in the second half and got burned. Uh, I, I don't think that City played their best today either. Uh, so you know, it's not like. You know, not like they they played in, in September when they handily beat us one 0 This was this was not as comprehensive in my mind. We just gave them all the time and space on the ball that they wanted, and we're hoping to to break on a counter. And I, I just don't think you know. I think Hamid's right here, and he's he's a guy that I know from Kansas City. So uh, I'm going to side with him. I think I think the game plan was off. I don't think the the bench was set up properly. And I think the substitutions were were really um, too late. And uh, you know, I know that Antonio Conte and Pep Guardiola have great respect for each other. I, I think that Antonio Conte in the last two matches has been completely outclassed by Guardiola, and uh, you know, just showed too much too much respect. Like if we lose this game for nothing uh, because we're trying to win it, I don't think anybody really cares. Uh, but losing one nil and not really having not having a shot on goal uh, just feels like you're waving the right the white flag to me. So that's just how I feel about it. Amadi, do you want to take the first response on that? I mean, I guess I I get what you're saying. I understand that a lot of people would prefer to go for it and lose, um, especially considering where we are on the table and how much we need points. Um, but I guess let me just play devil's advocate for a second here. What if, what if on those three chances, what if Moses hadn't shot near post and gone into the side netting and actually squared it? What if Alonso Swally had gone in? But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of these scenarios where one-offs in these sort of shit, sorry for that, games don't give you a sense of dominance or having a foothold in the match. And I get that. I hate watching games like that where we, where I feel like we're outclassed or where we're, where we're purposely inviting pressure by sitting deep, which I think we did today all game long. But what happens if we score one of those goals or one of those chances and then we manage to leave there with a draw? I mean, do you still feel like – would that still be your assessment? I, I think so. Uh, and, and not because a point wouldn't have been great, but – uh, I, I'm coming at it from like projecting top four. You know, we are we are now you know five points off of, of fourth place, which is yeah. not a good place to be. And so, you know, I think that like, look, the odds of us winning this game, period, were were pretty low, right? Yeah. Like, I think we can all agree on that. Yes. But if you don't at least go for it, if you don't at least try to win, 
Um, you know, I don't think our goal differential is going to be the thing that keeps us out of fourth. You know, you know, getting smacked and at least giving it a real go. Like, uh, you know, I th- it, it, we didn't put Hazard in a, in a place to do any damage whatsoever. He was just chasing, walking around, like trying to get uh, aerial ball. Like, it's just it's a terrible thing to do to him. And then we don't have any sort of movement in the final third that would even give us a chance to score. So, like, to, to play devil's advocate on your point, yeah, Moses had, you know, kind of our only real clear-cut chance um, looking at Emerson. And then, you know, Alonzo's last-second ditch effort off the volley was, you know, that was always going to be a really tough thing to score. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, what did we create? Oh, hardly anything, if that. I don't think we – all the chances we have based on either – errors or finally finding a counter that made its way through but right and so like my point to that is like yeah what if okay i'll 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 play i'll take the bait on your on your question what if moses had uh squared it and we you know we got our goal um you know that was that was still pretty early on right um you know we would have leveled but you know then we're then we're taking city back on at full strength because they just they want to win the title so they can focus on other things you know like that's that's where they're at like they're in the position where Chelsea was at last year with the FA Cup, where like, let's let's get this thing wrapped up, get our players some rest, and then it obviously we shit the bed in the final. But yeah. um, this this is where I'm frustrated because the onus is on Chelsea in this game. City don't have to win this game to win the title. You know they wanted to, they desperately did, and they and they proved it by dominating. But it, we, it, it wasn't more than they did. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my whole scenario, man. Like, I understand, like, if we get a point, it's better than not getting a point. Understood. Get it. But, like, I think then you're asking our, our conversion percentage to be 50%, right? What, we're going to convert one of the two chances that we really had in this game, and I, I don't think that's realistic. Okay, well, um, the way I look at it, and I, I know someone tweeted this, in the middle of the match, and they said, um, "What you know? Who cares if it's one nothing or two nothing? We need to go forth the back and change something." Well, uh, the big difference between one nothing and two nothing is that one nothing you have a chance. Two nothing, you're dead in the water, especially against Man City. And like I, I get what you're saying. I'm, I think Nick, you want to see the the fight and the spirit more so rather than like an open game of football. I think that that's the difference because. The only team that has gone toe to toe with City this season and had any level of success is Liverpool, and they won four to three. We've seen recently Chelsea do not have four goals in them, maybe two on a good day, three if you're playing West Brom. So to me, the fact that Conte is going out with negative tactics, playing really defensive, and again, this is me trying to piece things together. I'm thinking he's like, I'm going to put my three fastest players up top. We're going to have to release pressure at times. We're going to chase them down. Otamendi's going to make a mistake. They're going to have a bad pass. Walker and um, who played on the left, Zinchenko, are going to be pushed up, and we're going to get in these isolated situations, and we're going to let the best player on our team, uh, Hazard, or our second best player on our team, William, make something happen from nothing, kind of like we did against United on that counterattack. I don't think the game plan was to ever control the game or or go to toe to toe with City because this is not going to happen. City are a better team this year than last, and we struggled against them last season when we strolled to the league. So to me, I think that Conte was hedging his bets. I know that our conversion has been down, but he knows that 
if we can defend against City, which I thought we did a really good job defending against City, the fact that they only had three shots on target in an entire game out of 71% possession, they had 13 total shots, that means we blocked or they were missed. I think that's a hell of a job defending. They just played, he hedged his bets and said, if we keep it close, we always have a chance. And unfortunately, that chance never came. And, th and that's where they dropped off. That's where we lost. Because you're right, there was no service to Hazard. There was nothing. Uh, William and Pedro were tracking back the whole time. It was a completely defensive first performance. And, you know, that, that was it. We didn't really even get any free kicks or a lot of corner kicks or anything to try to take advantage of set pieces. Um, it, it just, it sucks. And, it, it, and that was just the way it was. Um, so what is that? Bold, is that because of the performance against Barcelona and Bold and Conte about these tactics? Do you think he was, you know, he's just so okay? Well, that worked against them, and they, you know, we can try to isolate the key players of City. But those tactics didn't seem to come out today, and that was obviously missing Conte was a big deal. But well, I think I think City are better than Barcelona. I agree. I agree with that completely. So I just feel like is he was he just trotting that out because it worked once? Do you think he has no better option? There's no other tactics we could use. There's no other formation to employ. There's no two strike. Like I'm just trying to think of his, yeah. his mindset. Yeah. Right off. Well, I mean, I think that like let's see the alternative: Morata and Giroud. Right? Morata is more mobile than Giroud, but Giroud is more stronger than Morata. So you at least have a target guy. So let's say we hit it. But the problem is, let's say Giroud is in there instead of um, Hazard, and it's William and, and 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 Hazard on the wings. Pedro and William tracked back the entire game. Hazard does not do that. So either you give up one side for City to attack all the way down so that you can hold the ball, but then they have to hold it long enough for everyone to come out of our box. I think that they were just looking for one stray through ball to run onto. And, and, and essentially, look, you're asking for a prayer at that point. But you, that, That's my point. That is my exact point. You just made my point for me. Why would you go into a game like this asking for a prayer? Like, it's, it's not good enough, man. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I got so frustrated by that because, well, I went, you know, obviously Chelsea puts out highlights from, you know, last year's match whenever we play, uh, yeah. you know, uh, the same opponent. And you saw those counterattacks featuring, featuring Diego Costa last year where he shields off defenders or he is, he is making a run that allows Hazard to be freed up or, you know, he's holding the ball up for, for William to go through on that second goal. Like, he is, you know, a target man. He's someone who is is tough to deal with, and that's that's why I felt like we didn't even give ourselves a chance today uh, to to have any sort of movement running forward because the ball never got held up in their half long enough for anyone to move forward at all. Like, and and that that's the that's the flaw in I think the argument for Conte today is that you don't have. You didn't give yourself a chance to move up the field with any sort of rhythm. You were just you were hoping uh, for some for some crazy counterattack, and and hoping that you know uh, Odomendi would make a mistake or that Ederson would come out and do something crazy like he did against Liverpool. And I just don't think that is good enough tactically. Period. Hmm. Um. Uh, all right. Well. All right. Fair enough. I. I think a lot of it comes to do with player personnel. Um, the other question is, how long did they know about Conte? You know, there's, there's some things in there, and then I'll get into Alonzo a little bit later. Um, but, but I guess before that, I, you know, Amity, to you, 
we're getting a lot of compare. We're getting. No, I take that back. That's an that's an overgeneralization. We have there are some people out there comparing Chelsea to a mid table team, and not to call you out, Reed and Derek. Uh, I just clipped your questions on Facebook and Twitter. So Reed is saying uh, today we looked like a mid table team. We played like one and we fought like one. I don't know if it was City that did this to us or if it was our manager, but either way, it's depressing to watch. If we continue this way, he deserves the sack. I'd laugh at Arsenal, but honestly, we aren't any better. I need a drink and then Derek and I got in a little Twitter even though he stopped responding at Red White Chelsea saying Chelsea reminds me of last year's Stoke or West Brom playing uh, at Stamford Bridge while Man City reminds me of Chelsea of yesteryear and Man City isn't even playing well yet and that was obviously the, the middle of the match, match. Yep. yep and he did a hashtag telegraph my pass more please just obviously they suffocated us uh, in our defensive third Amity yeah um and I understand that while we're kicking balls out of our defensive third to their uh, to the midfield and having them just ram right back down our throats repetitively looks a lot like a mid-table team sustaining pressure from a top quality team. And I hate to say it, but that's how Man City makes most teams look, and that's why they're running away with the league this year. Um, the fact of the matter is Chelsea didn't have an outlet, whether it was the system we were playing or whether it was because we weren't ever really into it from the player's body language to our managers. Um, I don't know that we can really compare us to a mid-table team. I don't think that that's, that's our pedigree, nor do I think that the players or the quality of our uh, team is representative of a mid-table team. So I think it's a bit of an exaggeration. However, in the style of play, yeah, I get it. It doesn't. It's not pretty to see a team who you expect to challenge for the league and who did win it last year rather handily playing this same system um, struggle. Uh, to the point where we're just hoping it long and hoping and praying and not, and not even running after it because we know it's going to come right back. Uh, yeah, like I said, that's, that's depressing, but I think to Reed and Derek, um, I get it. Last year's Stoke or West Brom playing against us, they struggled. We were playing in a system that most teams hadn't figured out yet. Um, most teams didn't have a response to it, and I think that our personnel was different. Having, As you said, having Costa up top, I mean, I, I said it during the game today, I miss him. I miss just the fact that he would he would get in with a rough challenge or get in a defender's face and let people know he was playing a match. But yeah, I think that without our fight, without our quality, we do look like a subpar team, but that's how city makes teams look. I, I think, I think the better, the better question is not whether we look like a mid table team or, or West Brom or whatever. Cause I, you know, uh, hyperbole much there, I, you know, whatever, like let's, let's put that to the side. I understand the frustration. I'm not, I'm not criticizing Anybody for being frustrated after this today because clearly we are. Um, but I think the better question is, you know, thinking back to when Chelsea had 13 wins in a row last year and we're playing really well and uh, the, t- the style of play that Chelsea employed, Chelsea pressed during that uh, kind of reign of dominance last year. They pressed a lot and it wasn't like City pressed, you know, which is pretty much all game. Um, but, you know, th- there was. The city has found a way to play all of these matches, even more matches than Chelsea have played this year. Uh, sure, they have a bit of a deeper squad and more talent, um, but they found a way to run that much and, and at that level all year um, against big, big teams. You know, And I think the question for Antonio Conte that I would ask today is, why can Chelsea not beat a press in, in possession, and why cannot Chelsea press... Uh, to help turn the ball over and make something happen. Um, 
it doesn't seem logical to me that we just essentially have started playing this much slower, more methodical, you know, telegraph, the telegraph my pass more, please. I, I think that that was actually really well done. Um, I mean, it's predictable. It, it is. It's, it's so predictable. And Dude, when, when the ball goes from Courtois to Aspie, and then he goes to shape and pass out to Moses, you know what's going to happen. And yep. so does every other team. Sorry to cut you off, but like that's no, it's it's a hundred percent true, and like I'm glad you did because this is this is part of the frustration. Is like City using a four three three, which is you know a, a little bit of a different formation, but you know you still kind of know where players are generally supposed to be. Started switching players' sides a lot more and, and started mixing it up, and then they have all these back channel passes that are crazy to watch if you're actually like taking that in and want to want to focus on that. Uh, it's it's too predictable, and, it, and Brandon, it just makes the whole flow of the game seem very inevitable, and that's that's part of the frustration too. So the the thing that upsets me comparing Chelsea to Stoke or West Brom is those two teams are in the relegation zone. Those two teams get blitzed by City. Chelsea held them to three shots on target. I know you guys don't all like stats, but that matters. Like Chelsea stood up defensively better to Man City than almost every other team that's played them this season. Like, that's not good enough, and I understand Nick's passion, you guys as fans his passion, but there's perspective to be had in it to me in my point. And fair, fair enough. Fair enough though, but what's the opportunity cost of that? The opportunity Look, cost of putting 10 people behind the ball is that you don't ever score. Here's, you just so, score to win games. Yes. Here's the problem. The problem isn't this. The problem is the shitty matches that we lost before this against Bournemouth and Watford. Those matches made this one way bigger than what we ever wanted it to be. And I think that's the problem is we messed up earlier in the season, which means now we are desperate for points and we have to play the big teams. Played United, played City, still yet to play Spurs. There's big teams left on our schedule, and we need maximum points, which it, all it does, it just amplifies it. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's amplifying all of our problems, all of our concerns. But, you know, <laughs> as we get into this, I mean, now all of a sudden we're talking about the, the issue of whose fault is it? Is it the players? Are they not good enough? Does that mean the board messed up, that they didn't sign good enough players? Or is it Conte, who is waiting way too long to make substitutions? Because I think for me, Conte can start a match, but it doesn't take long to see that it's not working. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying halftime, Pedro was ready to come off, but for whatever reason, he stays on the longest. So I guess, you know, looking at this holistically, I, and not just today, today sucked, this is what went wrong and go like where are we proportioning the blame do are the are the players not good enough did the players not try hard enough i mean where where are we at in this spectrum kind of 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 factors that influence a game in, in the season is it compounded by the fact that we played barcelona man united man city and now we have crystal palace before playing barcelona again uh, i don't know to me like i'm trying to take as much of this in rather than the knee jerk and say we need to sack conte because that's what's being said on twitter and I, you know we just shouted you out you know jonathan um for patreon and i don't want to cross you so you take it away from me but 
<laughs> no, I only kid. Uh, on Twitter, though, he's saying, what if we sack Conte now and we use our interim manager to guide us through the rest of the season expecting a result like the one in 2012? We're in the same scenario. So, Amity, uh, can we expect the same result in 2012? We go ahead, right? We're in the middle of two legs. We're down away goals. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how much there's Napoli coming back to us right now. Do we sack him? Di Matteo's available. What do you say? Absolutely not. And <laughs> I'm sorry, like Jonathan, I understand that, and I dream too. Um, I I still remember that 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 run of games and Matt. Like, I honestly still dream of that. I get it, but that sort of scenario is, in my opinion, once in a lifetime. I don't think we're ever going to be able to depend on that sort of you know sequence of events working out in our favor and I get it Chelsea is a sack and higher club and I don't say that in any sort of you know any sort of mendacity at all with Chelsea I don't, I don't say it with any sort of you know rank or I don't I don't think it's a bad thing that's our that's been our identity since the Romovich came to the helm but there has been success not just by happenstance alone and I think that, yes, that was an amazing run, an amazing end of the season for us. But to try to base an actual club structure off of those sorts of circumstances, it's not a smart call. Um, our scenarios are similar, and the outcome I don't think would be. But I think that we need to stay the course in this sense. I don't think sacking Conte right now is going to guarantee a result, I, I, although I do understand the sentiment. So here's the thing, and, and I'm with you, and, and don't take this disrespectfully, Jonathan, but if it was that easy, wouldn't every club do that? That wasn't, you know, that, that might not have their season going exactly to plan. <laughs> you know, I, I just, there's no formula out there for a, for a magical one-off. You know, there's no potion that's going to make this thing better. You know, the here, here are the hard facts. The board and and the club operated on a lot of different philosophies in the last 15 years. And that has caught up with everybody. Uh, it's caught up with uh, the players on the pitch and it's caught up with the managers and the resources around um, buying and selling players and, and youth development. Some of it has been incredible, a la the 2012 Champions League run and the results that came from that. Some of it you're seeing today as a clear shift in, uh, you know, the philosophy and how we're attacking and what, you know, what the board eventually wants to do with this thing. You know, and if, if I had to, you know, out of a hundred percent rank where to place the blame, and I'm going to try and get my math right here. <laughs> but, uh, I would, I would put 44% on the board, 22% on the manager. And the remaining 33% on the players. You know, I, I think the board and, and the philosophy is the most important thing as we look towards the summer. I, I think the manager has to want to be here and, and want to, uh, you know, achieve great, great things. And I am, I am, believe me, I love Antonio Conte. I think he's had a bad couple of weeks and has had a, a pretty, you know, off season. Uh, compared to what his track record says he's he's able to do, and the rest of it is on the players, man. You, you can't have everybody drop a level in a season and expect to still be in that second, third, fourth race for very long. You just can't. You know who's been really, really good this year? Dave, Ingolo Conte. You know, 
you know, Courtois might be on, on the borderline there. And Alonzo, for the most part, has been really good. The rest of it, and I'm, put, I'm throwing Hazard into this too, the rest of it's been either average performances when you look at the whole season or below average performances. You know, Christensen has, has started off really well. And I think maybe, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there are going to break his season, but like, I don't think he's been magnificent through, through the entire way. You know, uh, certainly Cesc Fabregas has been up and down. Moses has been up and down. Marat has been up and down. Williams has been up and down. Pedro has been mostly down. You know, this is a, a systemic deal. And then we don't, have the bench to really make it work. So that's how I, uh, that's how I assign blame Amity. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel about that though. No, I agree with you about the percentages. I think there's a lot of, there's a word I would associate with our players. And I think that's inconsistency. And before you touched on the lack of drive really, and, and lack of emotion or passion on the field. And that goes down to why I would blame the players the most. Um, there's, the sense that we've quit a lot of, in a lot of these big games, especially, um, barring the Atletico away and, um, I mean, maybe even parts of United at home, but I had, I've seen flashes really, but then there are times when I feel like that it has to translate from the manager to the players as well. So I can't say that they're, you know, as you said, that percentage, I think I agree with because there's a, there's a culpability that stretches just not really just to the people on the field and also the ideas and the philosophy of the club. So I'm with you on that. And I think that there's a lot, there's a very few players who we can say, yes, all season long, I've expected a hundred percent and gotten it from them. Uh, so they need to take a look at themselves as well. It's, and I'm really kind of, I know there's a brigade of fans who will, you know, who have a certain agenda with players and or manager and or, you know, staff in general, but I think that there's everybody needs to take a look at the entirety of the situation because no one really here is blameless. Very true. Uh, Matthew White, on the other hand, decided to just crank it up absolute to 10, said, let's do it. I will fire Conte now. This was beyond disgraceful. He has clearly given up moaning at every pregame press conference about the lack of ambition of the club. It's pathetic. If Hazard was thinking about leaving, those tactics would have made up his mind for him. Um, Ambition, that's interesting. I think that you usually correlate ambition to a club, right? Like, who do you yeah. go out and sign as a manager? You want to know how ambitious Arsenal are going to be? See who they replace Wenger with. You want to see how ambitious Chelsea are? Who do they go sign? They went and got an ambitious manager. They went and got uh, you know an ambitious youth loan system. But the 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 club, the board, to me, is is who holds the ambition kind of reigns and i think that kind of plays off with you guys just said as well um the the whole idea of an interim going into the these between games i'm not a huge fan i mean i i hate the lack of identity and the kind of constant turnover uh, but i understand what the club's philosophy is uh interesting uh had some quotes after the match today He says, we are behind Conte. I don't even question myself about that. We are not in a crisis. We played United and City away. These are not small games. 
that's that's at least what he's saying. And I think that if he gives a quote like that, there, there's a lot of genuineness to it. I feel like he's not coming out. That's not a PC quote. That's not something that he's saying to, to make peace. Uh, I, even though he's only been here a little bit, I feel like he means that from, from the bottom of kind of his heart on that. Like, that's how he truly feels right now. Yeah, look, I, Matthew, you, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of people who feel like you feel right now. Um, okay. I, I don't, I don't agree with you. Uh, I wouldn't fire him now. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I get that everyone's upset. I do think though that he, he does make a salient point. And I tweeted this out from my personal account, um, today. And I don't think that there's a future state next year where Conte and Hazard are on the, on the same squad together. You know, I, I, I think he was, he, Hazard's body language and Conte's body language towards each other has been cold for a few weeks now. Um, I don't feel like Hazard is having any joy out there, and I'm not sure that he's he's totally bought into what Conte's trying to do. There was a lot of walking around today from a lot of players, not just Hazard. There's there's a famous clip, um, I'm sure Amity's clipped <laughs> himself, of Cesc Fabregas just taking a stroll up to, to David Silva and, and not really attempting to, to take the ball away from him, just letting him pass it around him. Um, you know, again, I, I would I would ascribe, you know, if it's an effort thing, Conte can't do that for the players. He can inspire them, he can get them pumped up, but then it's really up to them. Uh, but I do think that, you know, it, it'll be... There's a very strong uh, chance, by the way, that Conte and Hazard are, uh, are both gone at the end of the year, which would be a, a massive shame considering where we were one year ago. But uh, I don't think there's any way that they'll be together next year on uh, at Chelsea anyway. But that's just my two cents no I read similarly I mean if people are I'm reading a lot of people online saying that you know how is like whatever Conte's actions have pushed Hazard to Real Madrid now and it's because of him that he'll just be leaving and I get that you know Matthew and is not alone in his point of view and many Chelsea fans have shared similarly it's just that I wouldn't I don't know I wouldn't fire Conte right now frankly I just wouldn't I think that a statement firing after, as Giroud said, going to two difficult away matches in Manchester when we're about to play Barca. I mean, I just, it's these sorts of knee-jerk reactions. I don't, I don't agree with them, even though I do see the, the reason for the frustration. I'm, I'm not going to get into it on this pod, but again, we won the freaking league last season. City are breaking our records this season. And you know who we signed? Every um, damn near every single player we signed this summer and in the winter transfer transfer window are either currently injured or came in coming off of a big injury. Think about that. Like talk about ambition in Conte. We have literally hamstrung him with the signings we've made. I started off excited about Drinkwater. I've cooled on him big time after seeing him play in the last couple of matches. He's not dynamic enough. Um, and and. And Bakayoko is unfortunately not present in the team right now or playing like he did in Ligue 1. So uh, I think that we should kind of take a step back and think about who you want to blame for performances and results right now. Um, you know, maybe make a nice little pie chart like Nick did because it definitely does not all go to one person. So 
anyways, rant over. Um, we are blowing through this one, but I, I do want to open up to anything else that maybe we didn't touch on that you guys want to talk about. Um, I, I guess anything, Nick, that, that we missed from you? Yeah, there, there are a lot of people uh, who assigned blame to Andreas Christensen for today um, for, for the goal that we gave up. And I am I'm not so much on that that bandwagon. I think that, um, you know, I, I agree with our, our boy, Carlos J Rivera, uh, who said that Alonzo switched off, um, at the end and allowed Bernardo Silva to, to climb through and, and just kind of scrape the ball over the line. Um, to me, you know, yes, Andres Christensen's made some, uh, some, some big time errors specifically against Barcelona and, and United, um, was a little bit less so, but today's, Today's error, quote unquote, was was I think Alonzo's, and uh, it, it was it was unfortunate because it's just a soft goal to give up again. You know, we're when you think about the goals the teams are scoring against us. Um, you know, you think about Messi's goal, you think about Lukaku's goal, uh, Lingard's goal, and and today Silva's goal. They're scrappy goals. Like th- these are not worldies that are going in that are beating us. You know, we're. We as a, a defense, Chelsea's a, a defense, are, are allowing, you know, really soft goals to go in. And, you know, I, when, when I saw the slow-mo replay, Amity, of, of, of Courtois just trying to scrap at the ball as he was sitting on his ass, um, <laughs> uh, it, it made me think, like, that's, that's probably how Brandon felt a lot in college. And, uh, and I felt for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it was, it, it really was, I think, a moment of just, a lapse in concentration, and I agree with Carlos. I think Alonso did switch off there. But and to, and to, to those blaming Christensen, um, and even if even if you do find him completely culpable for all all of these past uh, goals, these three goals, I guess you can call them, where he's had moments of, I guess, being out of position. One of them was like a head injury against United. I think he was days still on the ground, so I'm hardly going to blame him for, for not getting back into position there. Um, but. Yes, like these things do happen, but I think that especially for Christensen, he has a bit of a learning curve as a young as a young guy. But he will need these moments, and he won't forget them, obviously, in his progression as a as a defender. But I think that's a Chelsea defense slip up, not a particular person's fault. Um, so yes, Alonso may have switched off in that, and I would have loved for him to just notice Bernardo's run and shape his body a bit differently, so that it wasn't a blind side. Um, but yeah, these things happen. I don't think that I can really find just one player culpable when you know these defending mistakes have been more team effort. Well, unfortunately, you guys totally dipped into one of the only two social media questions we have, which is all about Christensen. So, um, I, you know, there are some strong words at six o four p saying it's never just Christensen's fault, is it? in a little bit of sarcasm there yeah he goes on to say if Alonzo Rudiger did the same thing it would have absolutely be put on them entirely as it has many times against the fanboy and football media law to observe some players at belly idol saying shite Christensen has cost us last three games he is not or will never replace JT the ball should never have been or the ball should have been into the stand uh, clearly, guys, there is a lot of anti-Christensen sentiment from the socials. Okay, can I, can I, can I come back at this dude, please? Uh, Belly Idol, can can you chill the fuck out? 
Um, and, and I'm, I rarely call out people on the show, uh, and I'm sure you'll, you'll hit me back on Twitter and I, I look forward to it. Um, he was a, this is a, a guy, if we put this all into context, Christensen, that we weren't sure was going to even be on the squad in July. He's played his way into the team and he's been fantastic for most of the season. Uh, he's never going to be JT. What are you even talking about? What, what is your expectation? Like he, he's made errors. Sure. JT made errors. Yeah. Cahill's made errors. Rudiger's made errors. Like, what are you talking about, man? Like I, I'm, I'm so, this is, this is like the extreme of our comments that we get on, on a weekly basis. And I know everyone's pissed off, but this, this wasn't even his fault. This was Alonzo's fault. Uh, so please chill out, man. Like, I'm sorry. That's, it's just too much. I'm like, Tristan's not in the team saying, Hey, look at me. I'm better than JT. I'm going to replace him. He's no, as you said, he played his freaking way into the team this year. He wasn't supposed to be, you know, he wasn't supposed to be marshalling the troops back there, but look at the respect he commands. Look how the players respond to him back there. And he's done so based on his own quality, not because he talks, not because he says he's going to be this or that. So, Robert Bell, bro, I'm sorry, man, but he's not shite, and he hasn't cost us the last three games. Yes, he, there have been lapses on his part, but that wasn't his fault today. I'm sorry if he's not marshalling the troops the way JT did, but he didn't say he was going to be that. He's just playing the best he can, and for right now, that seems to be good enough for us. So and, that kind of I just I don't I don't have time for that. And it's almost as if football's a team game. That there's a lot of nuance that's involved in a result going one way or another. It's almost as if it's like that, you know. And right. what if William buries those two against Barcelona that they hit the post? Does he cost us there? No, he doesn't. No. He actually plays really well against Luis Suarez for all of the game. You know what? What if the referee blows the whistle because he had a head injury last week? I don't know. Did, did he cost us then? Did he cost us? <laughs> no. And that's what I'm saying. Like the, the team performances have not been up to par. His performances have have fallen off just a little bit lately. I'm not I'm not absolving him of blame, uh, Brandon here. But like it's it is just like if you're the if you're the one person blame guy, I I can't I can't do that anymore because the the, the game is too dynamic and there's too many moving parts yep. for one for one player to be the cause of or or effect of anything else. Like even if Courtois spills a goal, Robert Green Green style in the World Cup, there's probably someone on the defense who should have stepped up to block that shot in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's that's where I'm coming from anyway. Oh, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm a goalkeeper. It's always someone else's fault. Like I'm on board <laughs> with that. No, I kid. Obviously, like it's a lot to put onto a 21 year old playing his first season at Chelsea. Um, but that pretty much did wrap up all of our social media questions as well. So, um, and so, you know, bringing it back to kind of where we're at with Alonzo and, and him making a potential stake mistake, not, you know, being as aware as he could. Um, I mean, that man had to have been playing with the heaviest of heavy hearts today, former teammate from Fiorentina, actually former captain, of Fiorentina, uh, Davidea's story, uh, being told that he passed away this morning in his hotel room as they were preparing for an away match. Just heartbreaking for people that have been connected. Conte had managed him on the national team, and they just asked him before the match, and he was even choking up just trying to be as, as general as possible. I, I honestly can't imagine 
um, what Marcus Alonso was going through inside of his head, having a massive game. And, and, and so for me, you know what? I can empathize. I can understand if he wasn't completely focused. Um, but I think that shows a lot of courage from him to still go out and say, you know what? I'm still going to give my all for the team. I'm going to put in as best performance as I can. And I think, you know, and, and I think overall, if you take the 90 minutes on whole, he did a, a, a damn good job considering the circumstances. Yeah, and I, our, our hearts go out, man. Like, it's just 30, I'm 30, you know, and Astoria is 31. Uh, it it puts a lot of things into perspective uh, that a, a young, fit captain of a football team can just pass away. Um, you know, Amity, this is, this is a, it's a tough situation, man. Yeah, man, it's tragic, and I mean, that's just really hard goes out to them, and obviously, hats off to Alonzo to play through it because that's something that's something that's so that's so tough. You know, we got obviously, you know, you're, you you guys obviously know the bond teams are or have rather and share, and it's way more than just having a teammate. You know, when you share a locker room with someone, you go out there, you bleed, you sweat with them. It's it's real. It's it's like you know having another brother. So. I, I I totally get that, and obviously we wish wish nothing but the best to you know the, the, those who are close to him, and obviously anybody who shared these sorts of relationships because Conte, as you said, was visibly shaken. So um, it's it's awful, and and I wish wish that didn't have to be the circumstance, but I think that it is a credit to Alonso that he played through it and showed his character. Yeah, and that's what at CFC Birdie did reply to us on Twitter saying, not the easiest of circumstances with his former teammate passing away today. Shouldn't have started today, in my opinion. Like I said, it just clearly Conte, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm speculating, but I'm sure the staff went to him and say, can you play today? And he stepped up and said, yeah, you can rely on me. And I think that um, that shows a lot of courage and in, in, in heart on his part so um but with that being said the table is still disgusting with city on 78 points um ahead of liverpool now in second on 60 united on 59 tottenham 58 chelsea on 53 uh united still have a game in hand um arsenal on 45 now being chased by burnley um, and, and maybe Leicester City in eighth place, but that that's the way it stands. Um, Liverpool United should be a great game. Um, obviously, we have to take on Crystal Palace next. Bournemouth and Tottenham. Hey, you know, maybe Bournemouth are the top four killers, but I don't see Stoke giving City any kind of run for the money. So real quick, we're going to do a double ad break because we just blitzed through our social media questions. So uh, first up, uh, Nick, people are using our codes and even the people that we share beers with every Saturday. That's right. Um, use the code London Pod. Get yourself some some discounted swag from World Soccer Shop. Uh, my buddy Brett from from the KC Blues just uh, messaged me this week and said he got the uh, the third kit with us Pilaqueta on the back and, and use our code. So it's always awesome to uh, to hear that. And I know that um, you know we we do get pictures occasionally of what people buy. We encourage you to do that. So if you, if you buy something you know from World Soccer Shop. Uh, and you know, especially if you use our code, just hit us up on on Twitter, Instagram, and tag us, and and we love to see that. So, do it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And the next one, obviously, is we are going back to London. I know we've said it a million times uh, with XL Tours. Uh, a little kind of funny. This is pulling off of uh, the Chris Fowler mentions on Twitter today. Probably not even a Chelsea fan, but. 
at Oakdale Dog saying, big game on April Fool's Day if your boys want to play Champions League next year. Uh, you better believe it. Uh, it's going to be a huge freaking match. Uh, it's a rivalry match. It's at the bridge. It's Spurs. Uh, top four spot is not guaranteed right now. Uh, we are so looking forward to it. So, again, uh, if you want to be there for the potential massive turning point this season uh, to take it all in, again, just get in contact with us and, you know, social media, email, any of the above ways. But uh, with that being said, we're just going to wrap up real quick to remind you that Chelsea are playing Crystal Palace uh, in a Premier League match at Stamford Bridge this coming Saturday, March 10th. Uh, the form guide, unfortunately, Amity, uh, is shit is ours is we still have earned one more point than Palace in the last five. <laughs> All right. Look at us. We did it. That's what we're comparing ourselves to is the Hodgson Palace. Oh, God. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this way. Nope. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, we can pick it up. We'll pick it up. I think we have a chance to, you know, if these are the matches we need to win. They shouldn't be write-offs, but it should be the chances for us to get some more confidence, you know, get some players minutes who might not have had them and really look ahead to the, to the bigger matches to come. Uh, you, you have to go into this match with one eye, one eye in Barcelona, Nick. I think that that's the, the only way you can. I mean, at the same time, though, you Conte has to know that more drop points at this point, lose, increasing that gap to top four, that is a, a death wish for any manager at Chelsea. Yeah, I, I actually don't think you have to look ahead to Barcelona. Um, you know, the, the team has uh, – the team needs to win this match – uh, above all else, they need to win it, and they need to hope that uh, Liverpool and United draw, and, and all these other things start to happen. Uh, a little bit of luck comes our way this year. That'd be neat. Um, but the team has, you know, over the last three weeks, had a lot more time off, a lot more time to prepare. Um, they should be ready for Barcelona already. Um, to, to be completely honest with you, uh, they they know what Barcelona is about, and, and I'm sure Antonio Conte's earmarked that already but we need to beat palace we have struggled against palace uh for the last three times that we played them so we need to beat them and then uh, and then be able to move on uh, a little bit more confidently uh into the new camp from there but it's a big one i mean this this i i if the pressure was on us for city uh brandon i can't imagine how how much uh pressure is on this match at home like the the atmosphere is going to be interesting to say the least yeah you're you're right a uh, little bit of a, a london derby not really you know crystal palace way far south but i hope to bring the set the, the the crystals with them up there create an exciting atmosphere uh i don't know if it's anything other than three points we are up shit creek without a paddle gentlemen so with that being said we're gonna wrap this one up we did it, Nick. Literally an hour on the dot at this point. I hope that you haven't soaked up too much whiskey or bourbon. Um, but I'll let you go ahead and um, stumble through your final thought. <laughs> Thanks for the confidence. Um, uh, yeah, it, look, everything sucks right now, okay? Like, we know it sucks. We, we try every week to to give you our, our best, most honest take on what's happening um, you know, uh, occasionally we clap back at people, uh, on, on the show, not, not very frequently, but occasionally we do. And, and, uh, we're just trying to be real about how we feel, uh, the season's going. Uh, it's, 
it, it can always be worse, but we, we certainly know how things are trending. Don't mistake our generally positive output outlook for not knowing uh, how how the trend lines are going. We we get it, and it's it's just a tough thing to uh, to work through. So that's it. Hey, I'm proud of you. That was pretty good. You only stumbled at the beginning, but you really ironed it out there and brought it home at the end. Thanks. That's well done. Thanks, Thanks Dad. I'm just, you know, taking my anger out on you right now. <laughs> Amity, uh, first up, I just want to say thank you again, my man, for jumping on the pod with us, especially as you are in storm apocalypse right now. Um, yeah. Making, making the extra effort to join. So thank you. And also we want to make sure that you uh, plug the Carefree Blues pod as well and, you know, follow you guys on social. I mean, this is Chelsea Jeffs right here in your ears. Yeah, guys, um, definitely get definitely get a follow over at Carefree Blue Pod um, and write and review on iTunes. We've had some a little bit of a hiatus as myself and, and Kyle have been busy, and also I had this ridiculous nor'easter the past week, um, and I've been traveling recently, so it's been a, a whirlwind of the past couple months. But still staying carefree wherever we may be. So please get a follow on us there, interact with us on social, and uh, if you guys want to interact with me or talk shit whatever you'd like to do i'm at i'm do it double underscore um and definitely follow at chelsea gifts if you enjoy or chelsea just whichever if you enjoy chelsea highlights and uh want to rant and rave at me there you can do that as well so that's a, that's your option you know i know that's chelsea twitter's forte so get at me in whatever way you please <laughs> that's it and you will get it. So, hey, look, Chelsea fans, it is what it is. But I can promise you that we will be back after Crystal Palace. Rain, shine, or bullshit, we got your back. So until next time, Chelsea fans, thank you for listening. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.